0: You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John entitled Learning Jesus. It seems that at some point in each of our lives, we need a breakthrough. We feel like we're in chains, we feel like we're in a prison. I know I do. I want to be free from fear, free from the chains of my past, and of grief and of heartache. And I wonder sometimes why God isn't answering my prayers or why I can't change. I need a breakthrough. Well, the Bible's very clear that God can give us breakthroughs. And through the power of Christ, The Bible says we can have victory. We can have victory in our marriages. We can have victory in our friendships, over addiction, over temptation, because God is that powerful. Psalm 107 tells us that the people cried out to God in their trouble and He saved them from the darkness. He led them out of their distress and He broke off their chains. God is so powerful, the psalmist says, that he can break down gates, and he can even cut through bars of iron. We can be free. Please join me for a very special series beginning on September 8th. We'll find out how to have breakthroughs. The Bible is very clear that through the power of Christ, through abiding with Christ, we can have joy and freedom. The breakthrough begins on September 8th. Freedom is right around the corner. Let's find it together. Really looking forward to that starting next week. And it's obvious as I look around and as I talk with people and read articles by particular authors that we really do need breakthroughs in our lives. We live in the richest country on earth. We have more stuff than we could ever imagine. And yet it seems that we're slowly dying inside. It seems that there's more hate than love. And again, last night in Texas, we were shooting at each other. And people don't know how to stop it. They don't know where to turn for answers. They're desperate for change. They're desperate for belonging and for hope. A recent article that appeared in the Federalist online magazine had this headline, We killed God, family and community and now it's killing us. And the author writes this, we have created a society that now offers almost none of the things that make people truly happy, family, community, spiritual belonging. These are the foundational and primal building blocks of human happiness, and they are rapidly disappearing. With the destruction of the family, the church, and the community, the reasons people have traditionally had for their very existence are in danger of receding into the past. And the outcome is predictable. Isolation, depression, anxiety, despondency, drug abuse, and death. People are desperately looking for a place to belong. They're desperately looking for hope. And this morning, what I want you to know when you leave here, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that you are loved and that you do have a place. I want you to know that you are prayed for. And the most amazing thing about that is, you're prayed for by Jesus himself. And he provides that place that people are so desperately looking for. So this morning, know that you are valuable, that you are cared for, and you're going to see that today because you're about to be confronted with the undeserved amazing, and endless love of Jesus Christ. So please take your Bibles with me, and we're going to turn this morning to John 17. And we're going to begin in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can grab that Bible in the seat back in front of you and turn to page 903, or you can go ahead and use the Ridgewood app. And the Ridgewood app has at Media, and then Study Guide, and today's date, and we'll have all the scripture there for you. So, John 17, 1. Here we are in the course of events. The upper room discourse is over. That's where we've been studying for quite a while. And now Jesus is heading to the cross. But before he walks the road of suffering, he stops to pray this amazing prayer. This prayer shows that Jesus loves you deeply, that He knows you're here, He knows your pain, He understands what you're up against, and that His amazing love is never-ending. And the prayer is rich, it's beautiful, and it's known by theologians, John 17, as The Lord's high priestly prayer. And the reason that that term high priestly is so vitally important is that Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus is our high priest. He is mediating over us. He is watching over us as our priest. And in this prayer, Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples immediately before him. And he prays for you and he is still praying for you and he will never stop praying for you and so this is amazing love this will be our last Sunday in the book of John until we catch up in the spring to his walk of suffering and we'll follow him to the cross and to his resurrection and to his ascension but what we see now is is this prayer that's kind of this bridge between the upper room and Gethsemane. And it's amazing to look at. And so here's what we want to emphasize first. Jesus prayed for himself and for his glory. And I want to show you this because I want to establish the authority of Jesus to pray this prayer and expect answers. And so he's going to pray now that his glory would shine so that the Father's glory would shine and that he is so in tune with the Father that there was never a doubt his prayers would be answered. And that's encouraging for you and me. So verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had spoken these words, and these words are from chapter 16, in the world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world... He spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, and the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There's the exclamation, exclusivity of Christ in salvation, the narrow road. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So notice first who he is praying to. He's He's praying to his beloved father and he uses this title father three times in this prayer. He also uses the term holy father in verse 11, righteous father in verse 25 because he and his father shared this amazing relationship of oneness and so he had no doubt that the father was hearing him. He had no doubt that the father would answer We see in verse 1 that the hour had finally come, even though many times Jesus had said, the hour is not here yet. Now, finally, the redemption of mankind is at hand. And what he's praying here is that the Father would sustain him through his suffering, through his horror, and then restore him to the glory he had before the foundation of the world. Which, of course, He has. And so this high priest that is praying for you right now is at the right hand of the Father. He is the King. He will come back, and He will reign forever. And so Jesus is praying for His own glory, but the ultimate goal, of course, is that His Father would be glorified. And this is the goal of life. This is why we are here the Westminster Catechism says it really well. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, that's too simple. We need to write a bunch of books and complicate that formula. But The Bible is clear on this. Our job is to glorify God. How do we do that? Well, we, ought, we do make disciples. We do live according to Scripture and so forth. But here, Jesus establishes his authority. He said the Father, in verse 2, has given him authority over all flesh, which is all people, and that he can give eternal life. And then finally, Jesus' prayer was based on his completed work, in verse 4. Accomplish the work. No, well, he really hadn't. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't risen yet. He hadn't ascended yet. But he knew that he would, it was a foregone conclusion, So when Jesus prays for his disciples and future believers, we know that he has the authority to pray this prayer. He prays for his own glory, that it might shine and his majesty would be taken seriously and that his father ultimately would get the glory because it is his father that sent him. It is his father's redemptive plan. It is his father that sustains him. So this is the endless and amazing love of Jesus. And now we see it in the prayer. And first, here's who he's praying about. He's praying for his disciples. And by extension, he's praying for all believers. That's you. That's me. And you'll see at the end of the prayer, he specifically prays for all those that would come after his disciples. But in this prayer, we can take the immediate circumstance, which he's praying for disciples, but the timeless truth is that it applies to every single one of us. So I want you to take joy in that this morning. I don't want you to have to wander around looking for places to belong, wonder if you're loved, wonder if you're important, because Jesus is going to settle that right now. So let's first look at verses 6 through 10. I have manifested your name to the people whom you have, who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. He's talking about the disciples. In 7, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Though the teaching of Jesus was also done, often done in the public square, It was also aimed directly at the disciples. And so now they were finally getting it. Verse 9, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. That's interesting. He's praying for those that have been chosen out of the world. That's us, if you're a believer in Jesus. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, And I am glorified in them. So this prayer chronicles this deep, abiding love for his disciples. They're almost like a shared enterprise. Father, they're yours. You chose them. They become mine. And because they're mine, they're yours. And so as we talk about being a child of Christ, we are also We are also loved by the Father, and of course we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the the love of Jesus is amazing, and the thing that I think is, is stunning about all of this is that his prayer for us is real, and it's binding, and it's powerful. Look what the book of Hebrews tells us about his prayer. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now those of you who are like me and you get up in the morning and you wonder if Jesus really cares what you're telling them, you wonder if he even loves you, you wonder if you're good enough for him, then I want you to write this verse down because this says unequivocally that he always lives to make intercession for them slash you. Even in your darkest night, even in the most joyous occasion, Jesus is there and he's praying. Even when you're doing your mundane tasks of life, he's praying. Even when the Vikings don't make the playoffs, he's praying. This is really important because... During his earthly ministry, Jesus protected his disciples. And so here's what he's going to pray for first. He's going to pray for their preservation. And what I mean by preservation is that they would remain in him. Because he's leaving. But they're staying in the world. They've got a task do And to preserve them means to remain in him, to be consecrated to him, to be devoted to him. And that's his prayer for us, that we remain in him, that we don't bankrupt our faith. And we do that through unity. Look at verse 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. He and his Father are one, and he desires that you and I are like that. You know, those of you who are on Twitter, like I am, you know it's basically sewage. And Christians are just as bad as non-Christians. Not talking about profanity or or, or pornography, I'm talking about how people talk to each other. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Be unified. And, and, and he was going to go to the cross and he was going to die for their sin. And here's the thing, what he knew about them is, is they had this huge gargantuan task ahead of them. These guys were going to build the church. We wouldn't be sitting in a local church right now if it wasn't for the obedience of these guys. But he knew that Satan was going to come at them really hard. And he knew they needed to stick together. He knew they needed to love each other well in order to succeed. And I was thinking as I was studying this about Ridgewood Church, I'm thinking about this gargantuan mission that we have to reach our city for Jesus and to to reach our community. And then I thought of this huge task that we have right on our doorstep now, which is to restore a building. And many of you noticed, I'm sure, when you drove in, all of the heavy machinery that's sitting in our parking lot. And as that was being unloaded on Friday, I thought, oh no, it's never going to be the same here again. But that's exciting. But here's what I want to say. Is that it will be uncomfortable at times. It will be new. You might have to park in a different place. You might even have to sit in a different pew. We'll take your name off it if you want. But we're going to navigate this together. And we need to continue to love each other. We need to stay unified. And we need to see it as a joy and an adventure. Because that will speak of love. There's going to be... Construction workers everywhere all of the time. They're going to notice how we treat each other. And so I'm excited that we need to love each other. And I want to ask you this morning, do you love others well? Do you pray for your fellow believers? Or do you just say it on Sunday, hey, praying for you? And then you go to your car and go, "Uh, like, help them. Oh, good, I prayed for them. Or do you really sit down and pray for them? Do you think the best of someone, or do you immediately vilify them before they have a chance even to speak? Are you more likely to gossip or confront one-on-one the way the Bible tells us to? Are you willing to look past theological disagreements and still love someone across the table from you? We need to love each other well. Why? Because Satan will attack Ridgewood is a dangerous place because we desire to be God's church. And if we won't love each other well, we're going to get destroyed. And so Jesus is desperately praying and trying to get across this idea of unity. So the endless and amazing love of Jesus is, is really on display here. He prays first for their preservation. Secondly, Jesus prayed that his disciples would be protected from that very enemy this is their very real enemy I see that the Jesuits this week decided that he wasn't real and I thought wow you haven't really read the Bible then because he's all over the Bible and he's he's someone that we have to take seriously look at verses 12 through 15 while I was with them I kept them in your name which you have given me I have guarded them And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that Scripture might be fulfilled. That's Judas, of course. He's saying that that was to fulfill Scripture. It does not speak of failure of Jesus. He protected his disciples. 13. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, they may have have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. He's not asking the Father to remove them from the line of fire. He's asking the Father to keep them in the world and to protect them while they're in the world. And those, those disciples were chosen out of the world. They, they had obeyed Jesus. They infuriated the world. But they were in the world. The task for Christians is not to withdraw. It's also not to become stained by the world. It is to be a witness to the world. And we can't do that if we're withdrawing. And Jesus knew that these men had an assignment. They would build the church. And masses and masses of people came to know Jesus because they stayed in the world. And so we are to follow in their footsteps, whether it costs us or not, whether it costs us comfort or even our very lives. We are to march forward and make Jesus known because we are now the ones who are spreading The good news of Jesus. And because you are called to do this, you are in the crosshairs of Satan. The Jesuits maybe not thinking he's true. The Bible says he's true. But here's the thing. He knows his end. He knows he's going to be destroyed. So he's going to try to take you down with him. He's going to try to take the church down with him. And so, your only hope is that you rely on the everlasting love of Christ. You need to stay close to Jesus. You need to walk with Him. You need to stay unified with your fellow believers. And remember this the battle is God's, it's not your battle. And the Bible's clear on this. Look at 2 Chronicles. This is what the Lord says to you do not be afraid or discouraged. Because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. This whole whole spiritual battle, this cosmic battle that we find ourselves in is from page one to the last page of the Bible. And it's a battle over the throne of Christ. And because you walk with Christ, you are in the middle of this battle. Look what James says about the enemy. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You have nothing to be afraid of. We're not being chased around by the boogeyman. We're being chased around by a real entity who has tons of power, should not be fooled with, should be taken seriously, but when we're walking with Christ, we don't have to be afraid because God is far more powerful than Satan will ever be. After all, God created angels and Satan is simply a fallen angel. And so Jesus is praying for protection because he knew that in the angelic realm, there's tons of power there, but that he was more powerful. So he's, he's praying for preservation and protection, and then he prayed for their sanctification. He knew that in order to make a difference, they had to be different. Now, we don't like to be different anymore because people make fun of us and mock us and call us names. And, but this is the only way we're going to make an impact on the world. Look at 16 and 17. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. That word sanctify simply means to be set apart. To be different. And they are sanctified by the word. The word is truth. I'm constantly amazed at people that come and they go like, well, I'm really glad you teach that out of the Bible. And I go like, "Don't ever, doesn't every church? Like what else would you teach out of? Because this is where truth lies. And, and the reason that they needed to be sanctified was not to be puffed up or be better. It was because they had a mission to do. And you and I have a mission to do. In order to do it well, we have to be like Christ and walk with Christ. And so, we have this beautiful mission, but a beautiful ending. Look at 20 through 25. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now this is directly to you and me. And he's going to go right to Unity 21 that they all that they may all be one just as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me the glory that you've given me i have given them that they may be one even as we are one i in them and you in me but they may become perfectly one. So the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you see that? You need to be one because then the world will know that we are of Jesus. 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me Be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known and the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. He's all again back to the idea of unity and love. And here's here's what would happen. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to die. He's going to pay for sin. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to be ascended. He's going to go to the right hand of the Father. But he's going to send the Holy Spirit to help these who are left in the world. And the Holy Spirit would anoint and empower the disciples to become the apostles who then build the church. And the church would save the masses. That's why the local church is so important. And then as a testament to the endless and amazing love of Jesus, in 24, he prays that we would participate in his glory. Not only will he be made right, not only will his glory be given back to him, but we will share in that moment and in the inheritance. Now, is there anyone in this room that can remotely say that you deserve to be a part of the glory of Christ? This is his love. Our future is sure. Our inheritance waits because of his endless and amazing love. Here's the prayer briefly summarized. It's very simple, really. He prays for the preservation of believers that we don't lose our faith. He prays for the sanctification of believers that we would be like him so we'll stick out and make a difference. He prays for the protection for believers so that we will not succumb to the enemy's temptation. And then again, he prays for unity. And so, as we go this morning, I just have a couple questions I want to ask you. I have some questions that I want you to ponder in light of this truth. First question. Given that unity is so important, are you right with other believers? Romans 12 commands us to be right with those, to have peace with those that we possibly can have peace with. Are you right with others because... If you're not, then Satan will put a wedge and unity will be lost. Second question that I want you to think about this morning. Are you committed to sanctification? Are you committed to obedience? Are you committed to the word of God? Is there a sin in your life right now that you know is there that you have not dealt with? And if you don't deal with it, it will destroy you. Deal with your sin so you can be used by God. Third question, who have you told about the endless and amazing love of Jesus? We just chronicled earlier how desperate people are for hope, how desperate they are to belong, how they don't feel like there's any purpose anymore. And here we have the box with a secret code in it and we open it and we expose them to eternal life through Jesus Christ you know what it's not even secret why do we keep it that way you don't have a club membership to come to church you just need to come to church and we need to invite people to church and we need to put our hand out over the fence in our neighborhood or Tuesday at school or at work because people need Jesus and so this morning I want you to know that Jesus loves you deeply you're never alone I know it feels like you're alone sometimes. It feels like it. But the truth is, is that Jesus is praying for you right now and loves you deeply. So why don't you just take a moment and just close your eyes and pray. And thank Jesus for his amazing love over you. And if there is that sin, if you're not right, if you need someone to tell, then ask him that too, and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.